January 30th, 2023. We're in Masechet Betza. Let's go back to Dafgimal Amud Aleph. If you count from the top of the page down, it's 13 lines down, the last word on the line. Now, if you recall, the context of the Gemara uh, has been and will be for a little bit more uh, just those first few words, first few lines in our Mishnah. Mishnah at the onset of the Masechet described Besashin Oleda Biyom Tov, a hen or a chicken whatever it is, gave birth to an egg on Yom Tov. What's the status, the halachic status of the egg um, that was born on uh, Yom Tov? Uh, so Bet Hillel and Bet Shammai disagreed about this matter. And the question of the Gemara really is, why should it be uh, prohibited? And in turn, how do we explain the uh, permitting opinion? We saw two opinions in the Mishnah, and in turn, the Gemara then presented for us many different opinions with regards to how to explain that Mishnah. First opinion in the Gemara was they're disputing the Halachav Mukseh. We're dealing with a circumstance where the Tarnegolet, the chicken, was uh, not purposed um, to be eaten. Rather, it was purposed to uh, birth uh, eggs. And as a result, the eggs which come out of it on the holiday would be considered mukseh, perhaps, if we have the opinion mukseh. It's mahlak between bishimon and That's the two opinions in our Mishnah. It's a question of mukseh. The next opinion we saw in the Gemara was that of Rabbah. Rabbah was mehadesh. He brought forth for us this interesting and novel halakha of hachana. In a circumstance where Shabbat goes into Yom Tov, where Yom Tov goes into Shabbat, in such a situation, the egg, as it uh, begins its growth inside, or finishes its growth, rather, inside of the chicken, it takes place, Rabbah explained, the day before the day, uh, it's hatched. And as a result, it needs to be that that egg is finished on a day that's whole, on a weekday. And as a result, if it's Shabbat and then Yom Tov, one of these long Yom Tov situations, or when Shabbat into Yom Tov, it means when it's born on Yom Tov, it wasn't prepared, it wasn't finished before Yom Tov on a day that was whole. If you go from Yom Tov into Shabbat, and it's born on Shabbat, such a situation, the egg was not born or not uh, put together on a day that was whole. He learned it from Pasuk, by man. That was the halacha of Rabbah. Rabbah is the most stringent in terms of this halacha. It's something we need to have in mind for the limud today, because according to Rabbah, we're dealing with a halacha from the Torah. This betzah, this, uh, this egg which was hatched, which was born, is, uh, is asur minhat Torah because of this halakha of hachana. And the last two opinions we saw, again, explaining why a betzah yom tov should be asur, were those of Rabbi Yosef and Rabbi Itzhak, and those were the, uh, those were the two opinions which uh, set forth explanations for us that were rabbinic in nature, it's a gezera, it's a gezera mishum perot shenashru, or it's a gezera mishum mashkin shezavu. One of the two situations, the second of which I just mentioned, most irrelevant to us for the a conversation at the beginning uh, today is uh, rabbinic prohibitions, gezerot, because they feared if we permit this, well, it'll come to a melacha from the Torah. And as they made the gezerah mishum mashkin shezavu, we'll focus specifically on that one for now. Mashkin shezavu means that you have a fruit which just oozed out of it the, uh, the juice that was inside of it. Now, on Yom Tov, on Shabbat, you're not allowed to be sohet. You're not allowed to uh, squeeze it in order to bring forth the juices. Why not? That's called melechet 
dash, it's dishat. So the same way you would take grain and you would crush it. So to in this situation, the Hachamim explains sechita is a derivative of that. Well, that being the case, when you have the betza shenolda biyom tober, b'shabbat, you have a similar situation. You have, uh, you didn't do something biyadayim, you didn't actually squeeze it out, but it came from one item, from one object, the fruit in one situation, the chicken in the other situation, and it was born, that's the isur, isur midrabbanan, that we fear by permitting the juices which come out on their own, the egg which comes out on its own, that a person will in turn come to be sohet be'adaim, go up to the fruits and start making orange juice for themselves on Shabbat or Yom Tov. Those are the four opinions that we mentioned, we discussed, we deliberated, we talked about uh, plenty in the past uh, couple of weeks in the onset of Masechet Betzah. The Gemara at this point, if you recall, and it'll bring us into a shorter conversation and then bring us back, um, went into the opinion of Rabbi Yohanan. The Gemara said that Rabbi Yohanan was also of the opinion that the Gezera over here, or the Isu over here, the Betzash, and Tom is Mishum Mashkin Shezavu. Again, that last halacha we mentioned of the juices which ooze out is the problematic circumstance which is very similar and part of the Gezerah of the Betzah Shinol Yom Tov. We're going to return to that. We're going to briefly review inside the Gemara what we learned on the last day before we took break of Rabbi Yohanan and then read the ensuing lines about that in the Gemara after which the Gemara moves on. It says the Gemara Ve'af and even Rabbi Yohanan again now we're 14 lines from the top Rabbi Yohanan Savar Gezerah and so says the Gemara, the truth is, if you read the words of Rabbi Yohanan, Rabbi Yohanan was this bridge generation Emora. He's one of the Emoraim who really saw the Tanaim. So he saw the rabbis from the end of the Mishnah time period, and then he moved his way into, and he's one of the fathers of the Gemara time period. He lived in Eretz Yisrael. Rabbi Yohanan was a very important person, many levels, but says the Gemara over here, Rabbi Yohanan, if you pay attention to his words in the way that he appreciates Rabbi Huda's words, you'll understand that his his, uh, his way of interpreting our Mishnah, our Halakha, Betzashin, Odabiyom Tov, is in accordance with that last opinion we mentioned, Mashkin Shezavu, that the reason that underlies the Halakha of Betzashin, Odabiyom Tov, being Asur, is because it's similar to, it was part of the same Gezerav, those juices which oozed out. Again, that's Rabbi Yohanan who's interpreting. It's not his own opinion. He's interpreting. He's reading the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. He's asking contradictions. And as we're listening to him, we're paying attention. We say, oh, Rabbi Yohanan, in his understanding of Rabbi Yehuda, he must be of the opinion that this whole issue has the heading of Mashkin Shezavu, of the juices which ooze out. That's what the Gemara is doing. So we're not so interested per se in what uh, Rabbi Yohanan maintains halakha over here, that's not what we're paying attention to. He's an Emorai, he's from the time of the Gemara, even though he bridged the generations. He's paying attention to the Behuda from our reading of him, from my conversation. I hear you discussing a business dealing with someone else. I understand your perspective on politics from it. But what do you mean you understand? I'm just talking about business. I understand the way you're talking about taxes and so forth. What your general opinion? No, I'm just reflecting what the uh, what the industry says. I understand, but now I'm able to appreciate your perspective. That's what the Gemara is doing over here. Go ahead. No, no. Why should it be mukse per se? What's that? 
the egg, we're not arguing it's mukseh over here. That's the first of us. It's our fourth opinion. It's a gezerah. It's a, it's a rabbinic, I mean, it's asur. But mukseh is its own category. Over here, this is gezerah. Uh, enact- not to do with mukseh, right. This fourth opinion, third and fourth opinion, not mukseh. It's only the first opinion, it's that fourth mukseh. We're taking a, a hiatus, a break from mukseh for a little bit in the Gemara. So the Gemara, V'afr b'yohanan tzavar gezera mishum meshkin shezavu der b'yohanan rameh der b'yudah ader b'yudah. Because we noticed, we listened to, um, Rabbi Yohanan's interpretation or his, his contradiction that he asked in the two statements of Rabbi Yudah. Rameh means to ask a ch- contradiction. As we mentioned all the time, literally the word Rameh in Aramaic means to place, place on top of. So Rabbi Yohanan placed one opinion of Rabbi Yudah on top of the other opinion of Rabbi Yudah. In other words, he analyzed himself. On the one hand, he said X. On the other hand, he said Y. Something doesn't match up over here. That's what the Gemara is setting forth. So what's the contradiction that Rabbi Yohanan noticed in Rabbi Yudah and through our understanding of that contradiction, we'll in turn understand that Rabbi Yohanan understood It's not because of Mukseh, not because of Hachanah, not because of Perot It's rather Mashkin Shezavu Umeshaneh. And he in turn answered the contradiction. What was the contradiction? How will we understand it? On the one hand, the Mishnah says Tenan. The Mishnah tells us, and this is what Rabbi Yohanan was dealing with in his class. The Mishnah in Masechet Shabbat says. Period. First statement everybody agrees to. This is an Isur from the Torah, the Mishnah Masechet Shabbat, the Fa'in Gima lists the 39 Melachot. One of them is Melechet Disha. Again, it's, it's crushing. And in turn, the rabbis understood a derivative of crushing is squeezing. That's Asur. You can't do that on Shabbat, you can't do that on Yom Tov. That's Asur. I didn't do anything. I watched it come out. It was out on the table. I peeled it before the holiday, before Shabbat, and then in the bowl was left some juices. Am I allowed to drink from those juices? Am I allowed to enjoy those juices? Now again, pause for a second and understand, we are not at this point, nor in Masechet Beitzah all that much at any other point, talking about practical halakha with regards to, because after the class last time, there was a little bit of confusion, and I should and could send one or two recordings about halakha l'ma'aseh, if you're having a kibbeh on Shabbat, can you squeeze, um, can you squeeze a lemon onto it? The answer in short is yes. But why so? I'm not addressing right now. Uh, if you have salad and you're squeezing the lemons into it, Permitted as well. All right, we have to discuss why those are permitted. It's somewhat connected to this, but not really. But just understand that's not our issue. Don't go home, please, and uh, any new homerot based on this. What we're talking about is squeezing into a glass or finding it in the bowl already prepared. They're not squeezing it onto foods. If it's squeezing it onto foods, uh, fully and completely permitted. According to Shohan Aruch, maybe even squeezing into beverages. In other words, I have water and I'm squeezing something in. Shohan Aruch talks about lemonade in that context as well. But for our purposes, Right now, none of that. We're talking about just squeezing it straight into your glass, straight into your uh, bowl. So, what if the juices just oozed out on their own? That's our issue. That's mashkin shezavu. Asurin, that's prohibited. 
that we were expecting. That's called Meshkin Shezavu. Rabbi Huda says, you know something? I can find the leniency even when you left the orange out in the bowl and you found the orange juice on the bottom of it. It could be permitted. How could it be permitted? Meshkin Shezavu. It's a gezira. Im le'ochalin mutar. You have to qualify and you have to narrow this gezerah of the rabbis. The rabbis were specifically nervous, got nice color, rabbis were specifically nervous about a circumstance where the fruit was purposed to be squeezed. If I had that orange and I left it on the, in the bowl on the, on the dining room table and I forgot to put it away afterwards and I wake up in the morning and there's orange juice on the pie, it wasn't what I was expecting, it's not what I wanted. I put it out for dessert. We were all supposed to eat from the orange. We didn't finish eating the orange. Now there's some orange juice left on the bottom and my child, I want to drink from that. That's permitted, says Rabbi Huda. Why so? Because we don't assume the rabbis did not assume that through drinking that juice you'll come to squeeze it. I never wanted to squeeze it. I left it out because I wanted to eat from it. If alternatively I left it out on the table, I said, all right, in the morning we're going to squeeze. Before we go to sleep, let's just leave it out. We'll prepare it. We'll squeeze. The morning we're going to squeeze our orange juice or after Shabbat we're going to squeeze our orange juice. Then and only then if it got squeezed on its own, so to speak, if it oozed out, is it asur. So I suppose it is. Uh, you know, I, I think I, I'll be I'll be perfectly frank and honest with you. I think that mukseh is one of the most difficult realms of halacha. All to a certain extent about gezerot, the hachamim are very intricate in their gezerot in their in their restrictions. So it goes. I don't want to go into. That's what he's about to do. That's what Rabbi Hanan's about to do. And so that's why Mars is already, you, you may have been here, you may have, or, you know, in other words, you may have cheated because you've been, been here in the, in the class in the past. Yes, what Rabbi Hanan is about to do is he's, gonna, he's going to equate this statement of Rabbi Yehuda to Tarnegole, to a chicken which hatched it, which gave birth to its egg on Yom Tov. And he's going to ask some sort of contradiction. The only way you can appreciate, understand that contradiction is if the reason the egg should be or could be prohibited is because it's similar to it's along the same lines of that's exactly right. So that's what but so it's about to come. So on the one hand, we have the statement of Rabbi Yehuda, nothing to do yet with Tarnigolit. Rabbi Yohanan is sitting in his class with his students around him, and he's quoting this Mishnah, and he says, gentlemen, let's read the Mishnah, let's understand it. Students, rabbis, oh, okay, now we understand that Rabbi Yehuda's opinion is to distinguish between whether the, the fruit was omedet lemashkin, its purpose was from the owner, from the person who has it in his home, and it's whatever, if he's going to use it to squeeze and bring drinks, as opposed to if he's going to be eating from it, then it's muta. Alma, we can understand from that. Kol ochalin Huda, anytime I'm dealing with foods, according to Rabbi Huda, the fruit is a food. Uchladi ifratu, anything that emerges from the food is those funny words we saw in Dafbeta Mudalf. Uchladi ifrat, it's just something which is an extension of it. Since the orange is purpose to be eaten, the juices which come out of it are just the orange. No, no, it looks like juice. That's the orange itself. What's, what's your sevara? What's your logic? The orange was purpose to be eaten. Anything that came out of it is considered food. Uraminhu. Rabbi Yohanan, together with his students, now asked the contradiction. The Mishnah in Masechet Eruvin, the next Masechet in Shas, 
has the following, Rabbi Yehuda had a further statement. Let's go backwards and first appreciate the second part to understand the question. And we'll explain the first part as well, which caused a little confusion the last time as well. So it goes like this. The second statement here is, It's Rosh Hashanah. Uh, so the circumstances, it's Rosh Hashanah, and an uh, egg was uh, given birth from the chicken on the first day of Rosh Hashanah. It can be eaten on the second day of Rosh Hashanah. That's the statement of Rabbi Yehuda. What's his logic in saying so? His logic goes like this. He understands the idea even on Rosh Hashanah as being what we call Sheteh Kedushot, which means the reason, according to Rabbi Yehuda, there are two days of Yom Tob on Rosh Hashanah, day one and day two, is because you have a safik, you're uncertain, just like on the holidays, when we talk about Yom Tob Sheni on holidays, this is not how we go when it comes to Rosh Hashanah, this is Rabbi Yehuda's understanding. When it comes to holidays, outside of Eretz Israel, during a time when we were Mekadesh, we established Rosh Chodesh based on sight of the moon, you had a safik, you were uncertain what was the actual first day of the month. Was it this day or was it the next day? That's what you call Yom Tov Sheni Shel Galuyot. For all the people who are very bothered by it, the Gemara we'll talk about on Dafheh. We're going to talk about the primary Gemara which addresses, and Daftalit addresses this issue called Yom Tov Sheni Shel Galuyot. This is the Masechet that deals with it. According to the Biudah, Rosh Hashanah is just like Sukkot, just like Shavuot, just like Pesach. The reason there's two days is Safek. There's an uncertainty. It's today. Uh, we'll see there's a few opinions like that. It's not the, it's not the mainstream opinion. Uh, but that's Rabbi Uda's opinion. Therefore, if a Beza was born on the first day, an egg was born on the first day, on the second day, it's what we, in the, uh, the yeshiva terminology, we say, mutar. Either way you look at it, it's permitted to be eaten. What do you mean either way you look at it? Well, if the first day was Yom Tob, and this was born on Yom Tov, the second day is not actually Yom Tov, it's permitted to be eaten. If the first day was whole, it was weekday, and so then second day is Yom Tov, it was born on a weekday. So if it was born on the first day of Rosh Hashanah, again, according to the Biuda, either way you establish this, because again, I'm uncertain if day one is the actual Kodesh or day two. Oh, so says the Gemara, says Rabbi Yohanan, why can't you even eat it on the first day? What do you mean? According to Rabbi Huda, asks Rabbi Yohanan, even the first day should be permitted to be eaten. Why so? If the, if the chicken was purposed to be eaten, right, it means that I look at that chicken and I say about that chicken, it's food, it's not a source of eggs, it's rather food. Anything which comes out of it in turn is what we call uchlad ifrat. It should be just like the orange which was placed on my table and then the juices were oozing out of it. According to Rabbi Uda, that should be permitted. This is the question that Rabbi Yohanan, Rabbi and Morris already anticipated. Rabbi Yohanan asked. So Rabbi Yohanan, noticing these two opinions of Rabbi Uda, says, I have a contradiction here. On the one hand, Rabbi Uda told me when it when I deal with a fruit and something oozes out of it, as long as the fruit was purposed to be eaten, anything that came out of it is just an extension of it, completely permitted. On the other hand, when it came to the chicken, even though we're assuming, for one reason or another, that the chicken was purposed to be eaten, their egg, the egg which is born is only permitted on the second day of Rosh Hashanah. Why shouldn't it be permitted on the first day as well? Say it's an extension. My mindset coming into the holiday of Rosh Hashanah is I'm going to eat this chicken at some point. <coughs> 
<laughs> here comes an egg out of it. That's just like I went to sleep with the, uh, the orange on the table. We're going to eat from the orange tomorrow. Oh, there's the pool of, of juice. It means that according to the Biohanan, this is the whole purpose of the Gemara, although now we take off on this and talk about it a little bit more. The Gemara just wanted to point out, as he said, Rabbi, that Biohanan's opinion over here, as Mars anticipated as well, that Biohanan's opinion is that the reason it's Asur is Mishum Mashkin Shezavu. That's what the Gemara is, is, is purpose. Now the first part that he mentioned, we talked about in the past, I don't even want to return to it right now. Let's go back and do Hazar on it. It has to do with Terumot. It has to do with the way that you could, if you make al a condition, eat from fruits and vegetables on Yom Tov if you make a Tanai in terms of your Hafrasha. But for our purposes, and that's the significant part, it's the second statement. Says the Gemara, Umishaneh Rabbi Yohanan. And you should know, Rabbi Yohanan, if you were in his class, he built this whole thing up. He asked the contradiction. He said, on the one hand, uh, Rabbi Huda said that the orange, the pomegranate, mashkin shezavu, if you were going to eat from it, is permitted. Uchla ifrat, that's the words we use for It's an extension. Of it. On the other hand, he said, you can't eat the egg on the first day of the holiday. Umishaner, Rabbi Yohanan, Rabbi Yohanan answered, muhlefet hashita. That's an amazing thing. It's rare that we want to do this. We do it from time to time. We say, listen, I can't resolve this contradiction. So much so that I'm going to suggest that the opinions have to be flipped. In the first Mishnah that we quoted, Rabbi Yehuda versus Hachamim, on the orange and the pomegranate out on the table, in that circumstance, Rabbi Yehuda was not the permitting opinion, he was the prohibiting opinion. The Hachamim were not the prohibiting opinion, they're the permitting opinion. What's that? When we get pushed against the wall from time to time, since we're dealing with Torah Shabbat at a time where it wasn't really fully in front of us in a uh, canonized fashion with all the opinions together, we had to try to piece things together. And this, what's that? Well, again, they, they, in the Beit Midrash of Rabbi Yohanan, they fixed the order. In the Beit Midrash of, you know, the Wabas, maybe that, you know what I'm saying? So that, yeah, that's, that's, that's the way Torah Shba'opeh evolved and developed. Some Bate Midrash, some, some rabbis changed the order of sorts and changed the opinions, and others didn't. But, says the Gemara, most significant for us, And from the fact that Merame, again means to ask that contradiction, Lehu to them, one on the other, from the fact that Rabbi Yohanan, Ask this as a contradiction. I can derive from this. Had one ta'amahu, one reason. It's one reason. It means that according to the Biohanan, in line with the opinion we saw already, the reason that Betashinodabiom Tob is Asur is Mishum, what we call Mashkin Shizavu. You could. Well, the Gemara in a moment will. Why did the Gemara not at this point do so? I'm not fully certain. But the Gemara said, Mari says, who said that our second statement, the Mishnah Masechet Eruvin, is talking about a Tanigolet, a chicken, which was purposed to be eaten from, in which case you have this contradiction. Why didn't we just answer quite simply, the reason it's prohibited over there, the reason even though it was because you weren't planning on eating from it, you were planning on getting eggs from it. Uh, Rabbi Yohanan, for some reason, didn't do that. Again, our purpose at this point is just to know Rabbi Yohanan, but in terms of 
answering the contradiction, and in which case you won't have Rabbi's difficulty of how ah, you're doing Tashita. You just say that's the circumstance. For one reason or another, Rabbi Yochanan wasn't interested in doing that. The second opinion here on Davgim Alamud Bet will in fact suggest that. First opinion now, so, so in terms of resolving that contradiction, you have Rabbi Yochanan. Now you have to understand there were several generations of Emoraim. The Gemara spans, even though it seems to us as if this all took place in one Midrash, in one year, or one day, or whatever, it spans several hundred years. And Ravina is Sof Amorae. Ravina and Ravashe are attributed with much of the editorial work on the Gemara. Rabbi Yohanan, as I mentioned, is the first. This is, it's Gemarot like this. If you have the historical context in mind, this is the most beautiful part of the whole thing. You're dealing with, on the same page, from one side to the other, Two opinions dealing with the same thing seems like they're talking to one another. They're hundreds of years separated, and in our tradition, we piece them together. I find that to be the, you know, I, I, I have an infatuation with history, so as a true historian, I should hate this, but quite the opposite. If you appreciate history, you say things that took place in the, fa- in the past are actually speaking to me right now. So Ravina is talking to Rabbi Yochanan right in the here and now because of that's how Jewish history really is purposed to be understood and, and to be appreciated. Anyway, Ravina Amar, I'm sorry for my uh, nonsense. <laughs> Ravina Amar, everyone. Ravina Amar, Le'olam Tepuch. Says Ravina, no, we don't need to be mepich. We don't need an opposite. We don't need to flip the opinions. Keep in mind, that's what Rabbi Yohanan did. Rabbi Yohanan went back to that Mishnah in Shabbat and he said, Oh, Rabbi Yudah said Asur. Hachamim said Mutar. No, that's not, don't do so. Rabbi Yudah Ka'amar Lehu. What was really taking place over there is Rabbi Da is talking to the rabbis. Now keep in mind, the rabbis were fully forbidden. The rabbis said that the halacha is in a situation where there's a betza, excuse me, where you have mashkin shezavu, it's prohibited under all circumstances. Rabbi Huda says, listen, I have my own opinion, but I'm going to discard my own opinion for a moment. I'm just going to talk to you guys straight, rabbis. I want to understand according to Jews. So here's how it goes. Ledidi afilu ifratu. When I'm dealing with the circumstance of the the egg which was born on Yom Tov, says Rabbi Huda, listen. By the way, my opinion is that the egg could even be eaten on the first day of Yom Tov. Why so? As long as the purpose of this chicken is to be eaten, anything that comes out of it is an extension of it. But I don't want to talk about that right now, because I want to look you in the eyes, Hachamim, and I want to say to you, Hachamim, I don't understand, even according to you, shouldn't you permit at least on the second day, right? In other words, that's what's going on over here. The way of resolving this contradiction is saying that when Rabbi Huda in our second Mishnah, the Mishnah Masechet Eruvin, when he comes forth and he says, listen, the Betzah is permitted on the second day of Yom Tov, that's not his full opinion. His full opinion is it's fully permitted. It's, this happens. Sometimes someone will come to me, someone will come to me and they're of the opinion that's more stringent than something that I maintain in halacha. It happens from, from time to time, believe it or not, I'm not stringent about everything. And they'll come to me and say, listen, this, and I understand where they're coming from right away. So I have to discard my personal opinion on this, although I'll probably mention it to them, and then work within the framework, which is assuming it's a real framework, of Humrah that they're in. And I'll say, even, even if we're going to accept that this is Asur, in, on, uh, 
taking myself out of this for a second. Let's say someone accepts their Eruv or doesn't accept it. Let's say someone accepts their Eruv in Brooklyn. That's a long halakha conversation. It's not just politics. It's a halakha conversation. Let's say someone accepts it. And uh, you turn to them and you don't accept it. You want to know the halakha about something. So if they're appropriately dealing with you in such a circumstance, and they're, they're someone who's your de'a sefer, they say to you, to themselves or to you, listen, according to me, this is fully permitted. There's no question because I would use the Eruv under all circumstances. But even according to you and your rabbis and your understanding of halacha, this situation might be permitted because X, Y, and Z. Do you understand? That's what the Gemara is doing over here. So it says the Gemara, Rabbi Yehuda is turning to the Hachamim and it's Lidivrahim. According to you, Hachamim, why are you prohibiting under all circumstances a Betzah, Shinoda, Biyom Tov Shel Rosh Hashanah? On the first day, according to you, I understand it's Asur. That's your opinion. But even on the second day, how could you say it's Asur? It's not that Rabbi Yehuda himself holds that it's Asur on the first day. He holds it's Mutar. So that's what happens over here. Says the Gemara, Rabbi Yehuda, says Rabina rather, Rabbi Yehuda, Lidivrehem de Rabbanan Kamar Lehu. Lididi means according to me, Afilu Barishon Name Sharia. Even on the first day of Rosh Hashanah, it's permitted. It's permitted even on the first day. That's right. Du'ukhla di'ifratu. Because according to my opinion, as long as the chicken was purposed to be eaten from, anything that comes from it is permitted. It's an extension of it. Ela lididhu. But according to you, odu li mihat. You should at the very least odu, admit to me. It's an interesting word in Hebrew. Lehodot means both to apologize and to admit. Because when a person apologizes, to a certain extent, they're admitting. But anyway, odu li mihat, you would at the very least admit to me, the basheni sharia, that the second day is permitted, the Because after all, says Rabbi Huda, don't you agree with me that when it comes to Rosh Hashanah, forget about our halakha of mashkin shezavu, Rosh Hashanah shetekidushot, day one and day two is only because of a safik. I'm uncertain if the first day is Kodesh or the second day is Kodesh. What's the response of the hachamim? The hachamim say, oh, we disagree with you, Rabbi Huda. I'm sorry, it's a beautiful claim, but the hachamim disagreed, and this is, the, of course, the normative opinion, as we mentioned earlier. Lo, uh, it's not so. We maintain that both on the first and on the second day of Rosh Hashanah, the egg should be prohibited because it's Kiddushah Ahat. Again, that's a halakha we're going to have to return to on Dalit when we talk about both Yom Tov, Yom Tov Sheni Shel Galiot, and more specifically about Rosh Hashanah. We're going to have to appreciate and understand how do we go on Rosh Hashanah? Everyone has this concept for good reason that Rosh Hashanah is different. It's Kiddushah Ahat. We're seeing that opinion portrayed right here in the Gemara. Right, so that's the second approach to resolving this contradiction of Rabbi Yohanan. And now we have the Mars, the Mars Katten approach. Ravina Bere de Rav Ula, different rabbi whose name was Ravina. Appropriately so. I imagine he wasn't born and they named him rabbi. I imagine over time his name, because he was, had a rabbinic posture and stature, he became known as Ravina, the rabbi. So you had different people. So you had Rabbah, you had Rava, you had Rav, you had Ravina, you had Ravina Bered de Ravola. I don't think, although maybe, maybe it was a very rabbinic generation that when the, the child was born, the parents said, oh, we're going to name him rabbi. I think over time he became a rabbi. He became known as Rabbi. rabbi. Ravina Bered de Ravola Amar Hacha Betanegole Period. Says the Gemara, it's instead, says Ravina Bere de Rav Ula, the circumstance over here in that second Mishnah, the Mishnah from Masechet Eruvin, where Rabbi Huda was saying that on the 
first day of Yom Tov, the Betzah is Asur. As Morris suggested earlier, maybe the reason it's Asur is because the type of chicken we're dealing with is one where the mindset of the owner is, I'm going to not eat from it, but I'm hatching eggs from this. If you recall the circumstance I had in the Me'ash Arim, where the, uh, the landlord just had these uh, chickens, again, as I mentioned, who are not able to be Mavhin ben Yomu Naila, but he told us, in order to guilt us, I'm certain, that the whole purpose, well, I don't want chickens just as much as you don't want chickens. My mother is sick and I need the eggs. If that's the circumstance, then I'm dealing with a halakha called mukseh. Mukseh, bihuda's opinion is mukseh asur. That's why it would be prohibited on the first day of Rosh Hashanah. All right, period. So that's all we have. We now can place all that conversation, all that discussion on the side. And you'd assume we're moving onward. Not really moving onward. What's that? We're back to, well, we resolved that, we dealt with Rabbi Yohanan, we dealt with the contradictions, we had a little bit of a digression on that, and now we're back to those last two opinions. Uh, well, we're back to our different opinions, which we opened the class with, and uh, the different opinions with regards to those first few lines in the Mishnah. How do you explain those first few lines in the Mishnah? Why is a betash and odab yom tob? Asur. So many different opinions. The last two opinions are going to be the ones that we're going to right now try to knock out. Last two opinions, one of which we've just been dealing with the whole class today. The last two opinions are either Mishum Mashkin Shezavu. I don't think we need to review that. We've been talking about it the last 30 minutes. The other opinion is Mishum Perot Shenashru. Because if fruits fell off the tree on Shabbat and Yom Tov, the rabbis prohibited it. Again, all part of a larger Gezerav, you might pick it off of the tree. A Gezerav Midrabbanan. The Gemara now is going to ask a question. Now let me tell you the upshot of the question before we read it inside. Those last two opinions very clearly maintain this is all a rabbinic prohibition. That's right, it's all a gezera, it's all right, that's a building a gate over. You need to be careful, the rabbis are making gates, whether confusing or not, that's what they're doing over here. If it's rabbinically prohibited, it's a very important principle for any posek halacha, so we're all familiar with it, but you have to understand how essential it is. When you're dealing with something that's asumid rabbanan as opposed to min ha-Torah, the major ramification is that the makom safik, when I'm uncertain, I should say lekula. If it's mid rabbanan, lekula. Safik de rabbanan, lekula. If it's a rabbinic enactment, it's prohibited on Shabbat and Yom Tov during the week, mid rabbanan, I'm uncertain about something, I go lekula, I go leniently. If it's min ha-Torah, Ah, you're playing with fire, you're playing with more coarse fire, you're playing with God's fire, in that circumstance you go lechumrah. We're about to present over here a rabbinic statement, metive, in this question, where we're going to see ostensibly, it seems at first glance, that the betzah shenoldah biyom tob bemakom safek is going to be asur. Uh, we're now going to turn back to those last two opinions and say, wait a second. If you maintain like Rabbah, remember Rabbah Hachanat, and Asur Menatorah, I understand why it's, uh, why it's Asur. According to the two of you, Rav Yitzhak, Rabbi Yitzhak, and, and Rav Yosef, I can't understand that. What does it say over here? Metive. Echad betzashin odabiyom peshabbat. Echad betzashin odabiyom tov. That's rabbinic terminology, which means either or, whether the egg was born on Shabbat or on Yom Tov. En metaltelinota. First and foremost, you can't carry it. Lo lechasot ba'etakeli v'lo lishmoch ba. You're not allowed to either take it in order to, I had a jug, I had a container, and I lost the top, or I didn't have a top, and I want to use an egg in order to place it in there. Don't know if this is what they used to do, or so we're just making this one up. Sounds like this is what they used to do. You're not allowed to do that if it was born on Shabbat or Yom Tov. Why not? 
Sounds like it's an isur, mukseh of some sort. Some isur, might be hachanayashu, whatever it is, it's asur. You're not allowed to be somech bakir'eha mitah. I told you this on day one that the Gemara would give such a funny situation. According to Rashi, it's quite literal. You're dealing with a bed. Let's go four legs on the bed. One of the legs is short. You're taking the egg and you're placing it upright and placing the leg of the bed onto that egg. And if you did it, I guess, mathematically, if if, if, it it won't crack. It's a strong egg or you did it on the right angle, whatever. Okay. Again, I don't know if they were doing this either. I I could have thought of a million better plans over here, but that's what you, you can't do that either. Aval, what you are allowed to do is, if the egg is there, you're allowed to take another utensil and place it on top of it so that the egg doesn't get broken. We're gonna pause here, I'm just gonna quickly tell you this before we see the question, as I mentioned it earlier, but the, the, the Hidush, as Rashi points out, is based on the Gemara Masechet Shaban Daf Mim Gimal. The Gemara over there records, records two different opinions about if there's something that's asur, call it mukseh, are you allowed to take another utensil in order to serve that item? So over here, the egg is asur. Am I allowed to take another utensil in order to place it on top of it? Essentially, this item is being used. I'm not touching it, but I'm only moving it in order to serve my mukseh. So clearly, this statement over here in this beraita is that that would be permitted. Again, what we're getting to is the essential part, and as we're about to read in this beraita, and we'll read it at the beginning of the class tomorrow, is the bimakom safik we're going to say asur. We're not going to understand that according to opinions that this whole issue is only